got your Bible with you, if you'd like to turn to Matthew chapter 11, we're going to be looking at some words that Jesus spoke. <coughs> Just as we're finding your way there, uh, as we mentioned at the start, I'd ask the children if they wanted to do it, to think about if they were inviting someone to come and visit, to come and stay at their house, uh, what could they expect when they came to stay? I don't know if any of the children did it, but any that did, would you like to share some of your thoughts? I know either you did, didn't you? What could people expect if they came to stay at our house? Okay, if people came to stay, with either they could expect fun, they could expect excitement, they could expect play, they could expect pizza. I think that's a great combination there. I know when I was chatting to Isaac about it, he said uh, people came to stay, they could expect toys, and they could expect cuddles. And I thought, wow. So uh, apparently if you come to ours, that's what you can expect. I don't know who's doing the cuddling, but you, you're going to get some. Um, <laughs> um, but actually, uh, thinking about what we can expect really ties in with this series that we're in, in our Kingdom Come series, where we're spending some time exploring the Kingdom of God. What the Kingdom of God looks like, or rather, uh, what, what it looks like when it comes, or what can we expect when the kingdom of God comes, when the kingdom of God advances. And we're going to continue exploring that today through some of Jesus' words that he spoke. And again, I think it really fits with what has already been shared this morning and what's been coming through. Uh, so we're going to read uh, these words of Jesus, and then we're going to spend some time thinking through what that means in terms of what the kingdom looks like and what we can expect when God's kingdom comes. So, uh, Matthew 11 from verse 25 says this, At this time Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. What he's talking about there when he refers to these things, these things are the message and the activity of the kingdom. That's what Jesus is talking about. What the kingdom looks like, what the message of the kingdom is. And he's saying, actually, these things have not been hidden from those with simple faith. These things are available to those who simply trust in him. And he goes on to say, yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me. All who labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So where do Jesus' words fit within the context of our Kingdom Come series? Let's just jump back to Isaiah 61. I don't, it won't come up on the screen, um, but this is really where we've been basing our series, using it kind of a structure, because in Isaiah 61 we see this prophecy that Jesus um, took hold of, and it, this is what Jesus was expecting when he was proclaiming the advance of the kingdom, and what we too can expect is those who have been called to advance the kingdom of God and to see God's kingdom Come, and in just, I'm just going to read the first verse to us. This is what the prophet Isaiah writes. He writes, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. 
He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. And so, over the last few weeks, we've explored the beginning parts of those verses. Last two weeks, Mike and, and Pete, Pete and Mike, uh, were speaking in terms of healing. We can expect healing to come. We look for healing when the kingdom comes. And today, we're picking up on the verses that say, um, uh, the "Spirit of the Lord is anointed. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound." So we'll put it this way. When the kingdom of God comes, it looks like salvation and deliverance. It looks like freedom and liberty coming to those who are bound and in prison. But we have to ask ourselves, if, if the kingdom coming looks like freedom, freedom from what? Freedom from what? The Bible tells us actually that each one of us needs freedom from the very same thing. And that is sin. And it is sin that causes a barrier between us and God where we were created to know God and to enjoy a relationship with Him. Sin has entered in and has created a barrier there. And the Scriptures say that, that He uses this language of being bound and imprisoned by sin that we, it's got us trapped that there's nothing that we can do to escape it. And if we're trying to think about what sin is then... Um, one of the ways that we can understand sin and think about sin is actually where is our heart directed? Is it towards God and seeking to live according to his perfect plan and his will for us? Or actually do, does our, do our hearts get turned to other places and do we actually look to worship other things rather than God himself? And that works its way out in the way that we relate to God, but also in the way that we relate to ourselves and also in the way that we relate to others. And when we decide to go our own way, Looking away from God and saying, actually, I want to do things my own way. That is what sin is. And sin causes that barrier, that division between us and God. And that is what we need freeing from. And we try and we free ourselves from sin and from the brokenness in this world by ourselves. We try all sorts of things. Our kids were at a party a few weeks ago and they had a... A bungee run there. I don't know if you've seen a bungee run. It's like a big inflatable and you tie uh, a bungee cord around your waist and you run as fast as you can to see how far you can get and then it's inevitable at some point it's going it's to ping you back and it's going to pull you back. And that can be quite a helpful picture of what it's like when we try and get ourselves out of sin and we try and release ourselves from sin because we can try and escape uh, the brokenness in this world through many different ways. It could be through uh, trying to be as successful as we can. If I can just be as successful as possible, I'll, expect it, I'll break the brokenness, but no, at some point, we can't pause us back. Or we can say, okay, actually, I'm going to live a good life. I'm going to uh, uh, take up religion. I'm going to look to look after people and love people and treat people well, and these things are good in and of themselves, but what happens at some point, we just still get pulled back in. We don't get ourselves out of it. It could be actually we look to either um, seek to be distracted from our sin or, or just try and escape from it in all sorts of ways. But again, everything we try at some point, it pulls us back. Even good things will not break us free. Will not find us that freedom. But here's the thing. Jesus went from place to place proclaiming freedom. 
Just as the prophet Isaiah said to proclaim liberty, freedom to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. So Jesus was saying that freedom is available, but it wasn't just a proclamation, it was an invitation. It's what freedom looks like. It's an invitation to be received and an invitation to be accepted. Just very quickly with the person next to you, just share what is the biggest gift that you have ever been given? Physically, in size, what is the biggest gift that you've ever been given? To share with the person next to you. Sorry. What's the biggest gift you've ever been given? <laughs> no, it's the biggest size. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's the biggest thing? A house. Someone bought me a car. Daddy bought me a pass to the national. Okay, would anyone like to share what the largest gift they've ever been given is? Yes, Eva. That's very profound. Life is a very profound gift. I mean, what, what is the, the physically the biggest gift that you've got? Yes, Elise. A brain, did you say? Yeah? yeah. Anything that someone's bought you? Rather than... Yes, ma'am. My fish tank with my fishing. Fish tank and fish, yes. Uh, Isaac, what was yours? What's the big... One of your dinosaurs. They are pretty big. Yeah, Eva. A bed? A bed! Okay. I didn't know that was a gift. Happy birthday. Uh, anyone else? My, um, I think, yes, Dan. Your wife. Good answer. Putting everyone else to shame. My, um, my biggest gift that I've ever had was not my wife. My biggest gift that I've ever been given was a pair of stilts. They were, like, physically the biggest gift that I've ever had. Um, but I want to show you now, there should be, up on the screen, uh, we've got a picture got some pictures there of what is one of the biggest gifts that has ever been given in terms of the size. Does anyone know what this is? Eva, do you know? The Statue of Liberty in New York, in the United States. And the Statue of Liberty was a gift. It was a gift from the nation of France to the nation of the United States of America. It's bigger than stilts. It's bigger than a bed. It's a very, very big Gift and it was given in 1886 as uh, as a um, really to uh, reflect the relationship, a symbol of the relationship between the two nations. But I learned something recently through watching a TV show. I learned that at, at the base of the Statue of Liberty there is a plaque with some words that are written. And in this show, they actually said the words that were written. It's from a poem by someone called Emma Lazarus. And she wrote a poem called The New Colossus in 1883. And some of this poem, uh, well, this poem is found on the base of the Statue of Liberty. And part of the poem says this. It says, give me your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. The wretched refuse of your team ensure. Send these, the homeless, tempest-tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. A message of freedom, 
a message of hope for those who would find their way to America's shores, for those who would have no other place, for those who have been mistreated and downtrodden could actually come and find freedom and hope. And as I was listening to this program, this was the first time that I've heard about this, these words on the Statue of Liberty. And as I was listening to it, it reminded me of Jesus' words that we just read in Matthew 11. Of that invitation of Jesus. Of that message of freedom and that message of hope. Eugene Peterson, some of you, maybe many of you will be aware, he's written a, a paraphrase, a paraphrase of the Bible called The Message. And it's... Particularly for this passage, it's really helpful. It's just really helping us to grasp what Jesus is saying here. He writes Matthew 11, verse 28, like this. He says, are you tired? Worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me. And you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. And work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Amen. See, this invitation of Jesus stands in the face of those bungee cords that I mentioned. It stands in the face of our efforts and our striving of our works, these works and efforts and strivings to break free from sin. This invitation from Jesus, it's an invitation to rest from legalism. It's an invitation to rest from the burden of trying to earn freedom, of trying to earn salvation, of trying to earn our way back into right relationship with God. Because what Jesus offers us is rest for your soul. It's not about something that you have to do. It's not about piling more on top of us. It's an invitation. Come and rest. Come and find freedom from striving. Come and find freedom from being bound by legalism. Come and find freedom from being bound by guilt and shame. What actually Jesus does is he takes all of those things and he exchanges it for rest. He exchanges it for freedom. He exchanges it for forgiveness of sins and freedom from the burden and from guilt. When we were just reciting the creed together, we explained how this happens. We said that we believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, who suffered under Pontius Pilate, who was crucified and died, who was buried who rose again on the third day. And that is how the invitation to rest is possible. Because Jesus has done what we could not do. Because Jesus himself took our sin, and he took our shame, and he took our guilt, and it was nailed to the cross with him. And it died on the cross with him. Not only has Jesus defeated sin, he's also defeated death by raising again to life. And part of the Christian hope is that what happened to Jesus will also happen to us. That because he has life, we too will have life. He does it. He alone does it. 
for us. But why? Why would he do it? John 3.16 tells us, For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only Son. Whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. We were just thinking about gifts. What is the biggest gift we've had? What is this gift that France gave to the United States? Actually, he gave his only son. Such was his love for us. That's what's been coming through this morning. His love for us. And the only way that we can love him back is because he loved us first. He took the initiative. He said, not just said, I love you. He showed us, I love you. And then there's an invitation from him. How are you going to respond to that? See, the Statue of Liberty was a gift. Initially, it was given as a gift to represent that relationship between those two nations, but it became a symbol with hope attached to it. But the hope of the kingdom is not attached to a symbol. The hope of the kingdom is not attached to a statue. The hope of the kingdom is embodied in a person, or rather the person of Jesus Christ. What's Jesus' words that we read in Matthew 11? How does he start? Come to me. Come to me. It's an invitation to know Jesus personally. It's not just to know historical facts about him. It is far from that. Jesus doesn't say learn about me. He says, come to me. Know me. Be known by me. What Steph was just encouraging us with, when we come to recite the creed, we're not just simply listing historical facts. We're declaring truths about relationship. We're declaring truths about God's passion for his creation. So come to me, Jesus says. It's an invitation to know him personally. Isaiah spoke in terms of prisoners being set free, didn't he? The language from Isaiah 61. I've come to proclaim freedom or liberty to the captives. Release for those who are in bondage. And what Jesus does, is that, so that's what Isaiah speaks of. But Jesus' words show us that the one who opens the prison door actually stays with us and then leads us out from prison into the new life that he is calling us to. We must never think that Jesus simply opens the door for us to walk out into freedom and then just leaves us. He stands there, waits for us, and then says, let me lead you and show you what life looks like. Walk with me. Jesus longs to teach us what that life looks like. And again, I think that's what's been coming through today, through the things that we've been speaking about. Actually, even when we can't see a way through, he's always there. He's always walking beside us. He's always making a way. As I was thinking about this, do you know what? Sometimes I've recognized times in my life where I found myself in a situation where I'm like, God, I really need you. I need your help. I don't understand what's going on here. I've come unstuck. I don't know what to do. And I realize that what I'm doing is I'm over here and I'm saying kind of, it's almost like, God, come and catch up, catch up with me and where I'm at. Whereas actually what God calls us to is to walk with Jesus. It's not to say he's not with us in those things, but actually we're to look to him and we're to walk with him and we're to follow him. 
and to seek to live obediently to him. And know that he will be with us and to walk with us. And Jesus speaks, doesn't he? He uses this imagery. He says, um, take my yoke upon me and learn from me. Can we have the other picture up, Janet? Just um, can help to see what, visually what Jesus is talking about. This is what a, what a yoke is. It's a piece of wood that is used uh, in agriculture with oxen or, or cattle. And they would be yoked together. So they would then work as a team in, in pulling equipment, maybe for plowing a field or something. And that bit of wood there is, is the yoke. It's being, uh, it's being attached to another. And it's the language that Jesus uses. Take my yoke upon me. Be, be joined to me. Be yoked to me. But not that it's a heavy burden. It's, he says it's not a heavy burden. It's one that is light. And actually as you take my yoke upon you, learn from me, I'm going to actually show you what life looks like. I'm going to show you what the pace should be like. I'm going to show you what rest looks like. Often what will happen where animals are yoked together, what will happen is they will take an older animal that's kind of been there and done that, and they will pair it with a younger animal that doesn't yet know what to do. What happens if you pair two younger animals together is they burn themselves out because they just they don't know what pace to go at. They just go for it. And they, they just, at some point, just are exhausted. Whereas they pair the, the, the younger one with an older one who shows them, actually, this is the pace that we go. This is how we do it. This is what the work is meant to look like. And I find that so helpful in that picture. That's what Jesus is saying to us. Learn from me. I know. I know what this life is meant to look like. I don't want you getting burned out. I don't want you getting worn out. Walk with me and I will, sh I will show you. Learn from me. And you'll find rest. And I will give you rest, he says. And I just love the tenderness of Jesus' words. He says, learn from me. He said, come and spend time with me. Watch me. Ask me. What else does he say? Learn from me. Why? Because I am gentle and lowly in heart. God's, Jesus' heart for you is one of gentleness. He is totally for you. Do you know that? Jesus is absolutely and totally for you. But he's gentle and lowly in heart. And as we do so, we will find rest for our souls. With the invitations that the children were, were writing or thinking about... That was an invitation just to come for a visit, just for a short time. If you're going to come and stay at our house, if you're going to come and visit, this is what you can expect. But this invitation of Jesus that he extends isn't just for a quick visit into the kingdom of God. It's an invitation to live in God's kingdom. It's an invitation to live in relationship with him, not just for a short visit, but for life everlasting. I'm going to come in to a close in a second and in a minute I'm going to actually hand over to Pete and Pete's going to lead us in a time of communion and a time of, of prayer in response to this I just wanted to draw on a couple of things the first is this, is that there may be those of us here who actually you know you haven't responded to Jesus' invitation to come to him as you look upon your life you know actually you are still that, that imagery of, of, of being imprisoned, 
being bound to sin, being bound to being bound to ways that are contrary to the ways of God. You know that's where you are, and you know you haven't yet responded to Jesus' invitation. I want to say to you today that there's an opportunity to respond now. Say, actually, Jesus, I want to take hold of that invitation. I want to take hold of that life that you have for me. And I want to make space for that. So in just a moment, as Pete comes up, I'm actually going to go out into the lounge bar area. And if anyone just wants to talk that through, I'd love to have that conversation with you. If you're feeling, actually, I know, I, I just, either I'm ready to respond to that invitation to come, or like, I have questions about it. I'm going to be out there. I'd love to have a conversation with you. Whatever your age, I'm talking to the children here as well. Actually, if you want to know more of what it is to respond to Jesus' invitation to come to him, let's talk about it and we'll talk it through. But I also feel as well that for those of us who have already responded to Jesus' invitation, for those of us who have repented of our sin, for those of us who are now free from sin and we have that promise of life, Everlasting. I want to say to you, keep looking to Him. Keep walking with Him. Because actually there will still be things in this life that make us weary. There will still be things in this life that exhaust us and wear us down and make us anxious and we carry as burdens. And yes, Jesus' invitation, I believe, is rest in terms of salvation rest, but I think it's daily ongoing rest with him as well, as we look to him and as he leads us and shows us the way through. So keep looking to him. Keep walking with him. Keep coming to him, because he promises that he will give us rest. He will give us rest for your soul. So I'm going to hand over to Pete in just a moment. I'm going to disappear off into the lounge bar area. And just if you want to come and just chat at any time, I'll be there for the rest of the meeting. Really, just available. If anyone would want to want to come and talk, that would be that'd be great. But may I pray actually before I hand over to Pete? Heavenly Father, as we continue to explore your kingdom, Lord, we thank you for what we've seen already in the weeks before this one, that we see that your kingdom looks like healing. Lord, I want to thank you that your kingdom looks like salvation and deliverance, that it looks like freedom, that it's freedom from sin, that it is freedom from guilt, that it is freedom from shame. But not only is it freedom from something, it's invitation into something. It's invitation into relationship with you. Lord, I want to thank you for this invitation that Jesus extends to us. This invitation of rest, this invitation of relationship, this invitation of being yoked to him, of learning from him, of looking to him, of hearing from him, of being taught what this life that you've called us to looks like. How we can live that and how we can live that well. So Father, we thank you for the freedom that you've given to us. But Lord, we also pray for those who haven't yet accepted 
that invitation. Those who aren't even aware that that invitation exists. Lord, we pray once again, would your kingdom come? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we pray that for Faversham. We pray that for the towns and villages in which we live. And Lord, we pray that that would show itself in salvation. Lord, we pray that that would show itself in those who are bound finding freedom. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.